Hi, this is Doug Manch, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 126, and you're with one of the High Priests of Conchu, Ray, tonight. Um, a slightly different and weird one. Uh, look, just to be completely honest with you, I am battling a leaking ceiling at the moment. It is um, Saturday evening here in Australia. Um, when this drops, it will probably be hopefully uh, Saturday early afternoon for you over in the US um, and otherwise. But yes, welcome anyway. So um, don't worry, there's still plenty here to uh, to be had. Um, some of you will know that what we have in store for this show will be a review of the new Conan Serpent War issue 2, which came out last Wednesday, as well as another episode of the Hunt for Conchu's Golden Scepter. That's episode 7, our serial adventure. Very exciting stuff. And finally, we have also a Lunapic Classic Run review. That's due to the the waning crescent uh, in the sky, which deems that we do a classic run. So that's Moon Knight Volume 1, Issue 10. And uh, that will be with a special guest Looney, Noel, Looney Tunes, Tate. So that will round off the show. Now you may notice that Konishu and the other high priests aren't here with me. It's just myself for this episode. Um, It's kind of fortuitous because I've got to keep one eye on that leaking ceiling and kind of one eye on my phone because the plumber is about to turn up any second. But uh, before we go, look, I thought what I'd do, since it's just myself... And I won't do a comic review justice for Conan Serpent War 2. What I thought I'd do is that I'd, I'd just give a really brief review of it, just on my own, um, with the hope that um, Rebecca and or Konishu will join us for a proper Conan Serpent War issue 2 review. Um, so, actually, I've just literally just read this not that long ago. Um, so, first off... Um, oh, actually, before that... Before that, I actually want to give um, just a little bit of a shout-out. I listened to Capes and Lunatics, uh, catching up on some of their great episodes, their fellow collective members, and I want to give a shout-out to a singer-songwriter called Perry Adams, a friend of Phil, one of the hosts over there, and she's got a Kickstarter for an album. She's called Whiskey Aftermath. Um, So I'll put this in the show notes and... I know generally we have a discussion amongst the hosts as to, you know, what recommended reading, listening and watching we do. Uh, I thought I'd just give that a shout out. So shout out to Perry Adams. Um, She's really good. I mean, they played one of her songs at the end of the interview that Phil conducted with her. Um, So um, definitely check it out. If you like good singer-songwriter and and great vocals, then um, Perry Adams is the one for you. So a shout out there. Um, and uh, try something new. It's uh, it's uh, it's really good to support independent artists. As for reading, 
I'd like to give a quick shout out to Laurie Hirup. Um, she's actually quite involved in the Fantasy Comic League, um, which is the fantasy comic league that we currently participate in. And uh, Laurie actually has released her first novel, which is called Secrets of Tenoria, the Crystal Warrior. Um, I've just started this. It's a fantasy novel. Um, I believe it's Laurie's first one, and it's um, it's really cool. So um, I've got this through Amazon, through a Kindle, so you can um, you can purchase it there, and I'll put the uh, necessary details in the show notes for you there. So uh, another independent artist uh, in writing, uh, Laurie Hirup, uh, and well worth a read. Uh, so check it out. It's only a few dollars, I think, for a, a digital copy. Um, and if you're looking for something to read other than comics, then that is for you. Okay, loonies, well, we better get cracking into Conan Serpent War Issue 2. Uh, just a general overview and review. I, I kind of, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think um, it doesn't scale, you know, any immense heights uh, so far. Pretty much similar to issue one, but it is fun to see Moon Knight and Conan and the likes of Dark Agnes and Solomon Kane in it. Uh, there's a bit more action to it. Um, they've been paired off Conan and Dark Agnes and Solomon Kane and Moon Knight, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of action there. Um, one of the highlights was when Moon Knight actually uh, he found himself on a like a pirate ship, and he points one of the cannons down onto the uh, you know onto the the floor or the deck of the ship and he blows it up almost killing himself but taking out a lot of Set's minions um, another highlight of this this issue is we see a lot more of Set which is really cool uh, and incidentally I guess it would segue into our serial adventure there are a lot of parallels I find with with this story uh, similarities I won't say parallels and what we're trying to achieve in our serial adventure so it, it appears in Serpent War Set have has these relics which um, when they're destroyed they will actually um, do harm to Set um, in our serial adventure it's the other, the other way around uh, we have these Egyptian relics when they are destroyed by Set and his minions that gives him a bit more of a stronger foothold in our reality. So uh, I found that quite interesting, and just from personal reasons for us doing the serial and reading it in Serpent War, I kind of enjoyed that. But um, overall, I did enjoy seeing Set in there and um, and them starting to come at Conan and Dark Agnes, especially in the desert. That was great with the two serpents. Um, but yeah, um, Serpent War 2, uh, pretty solid, I think. Uh, I'd give it higher than the first issue art-wise. I wasn't as um, disappointed, I guess, as I was earlier uh, in issue one with it. I found the um, the characterizations, the the figures, uh, portrayed really well in the art, um, similar to what we mentioned in issue one. Uh, a little bit lacking in the background and the details there, but the the characters themselves are well defined. Moon Knight is looking really good in it. Um, he has touches of the David Finch uh, Houston run of 2006 so I'm um, looking really good indeed I would give it I think I gave six out of ten for issue one I'd give this a uh, bump it up a bit more maybe six and a half to maybe six and three quarters out of ten I'm being a bit pedantic there but um, 
don't want to give it a seven. Maybe it's just under a seven, but but really enjoyable um, and in- interesting to see how they take it. This is the halfway mark. There's only two more issues, uh, but from what I understand, this will springboard into spin-off series. Is uh, I know Dark Agnes is coming out in March, I think, or February, um, and Conan's obviously got his own titles. Fingers crossed, we get one for Moon Knight as well. So um, yeah, so Serpent War. Is, uh, is pretty good indeed. Anyway, we'll get into a bit more detail with the review. Again, as I said, once we have uh, either Konishu or Rebecca or, or a guest co-host to, uh, to bounce off the discussions with. Having said that, now, loonies, I want to treat you to our serial adventure. This is part seven of the hunt for Konchu's Golden Scepter. And I'm very proud of this one. Uh, this was a lot of fun to do. Uh, and it is all to do with our man on the streets, Tommy, and a bit more of his, I guess, corner of the universe. Um, so I'm going to play that for you now, and after that we'll go to a break, and on the other side of the break um, we'll go straight into our Lunapic Classic Run review with um, good mate Noel Looney Tunes Tate. So... Yeah, enjoy this serial adventure, and uh, I'll see you on the other side of the review, because it's pre-recorded, so it's already done. But um, I'll catch you soon. See ya. news that one of the relics had been discovered through Connorshu's investigation, my attention skulked elsewhere, hoping that I too could play my part to prevent the looming Armageddon. It was clear, Connorshu and Noel hadn't found Conchu's scepter. They found the orb of Horus. With the golden scepter still hidden, I found myself at the moon in Sickle, a roughed up, tough-as-nails bar on the dark side of town. It was here that I hoped to quench my thirst, as well as my curiosity. What'll it be, sport? Uh, Whiskey. Long road. Neat. What brings you back to this dive, then? You're either here to drown your sorrows or to stir up trouble. Neither. Not tonight. I'm waiting for a friend. It doesn't matter where you look in this city. Turn over any rock and you'll be sure to find creepy crawlies. Dirt. And dirtier secrets. But once in a blue moon, you might uncover a gem. Hey, darling. Gabe, glad you can make it. Sorry to call you in on this. I need your help. Gabe was a downtrodden, out-of-look vagabond. A product of the streets. He hung out with the likes of Crawley and shared all the same vices. 
when he wasn't blowing what little he had on street corner dice and other pleasures. He was forever searching for that white whale at the bottom of the bottle. Still, like Crawley, Gabe had attuned to the lower wavelengths and frequencies of the city sprawl. Will it be, Gabe? Don't tell me you brought in that filthy teapot again. <laughs> Come on, Gabe. You look more like Crawley than the man himself. Hey, that was my idea first, damn it. Crawley stole that off of me, not the other way around. A tea bag is a whole lot better than lugging around a teapot with tea leaves. <laughs> Get bent, Mac. Yeah, give it here, you mad bastard. I'll fill her up. So, Gabe, I've heard there have been weird things going on all around town. Home invasions on the rise, random road rage incidents, even unexplained murder. Those relics I told you about a few days ago? Any word on the street? City's gone nuts, my friend. That gobbledygook you told me about the relics? I'm not sure I totally believe it, but there's something I know for certain. Something's gone and caused some major chaos around here. If you ask me, the water company's tampering with the water supply or something, making our fair citizens go a bit loco, you know what I'm saying? You got proof? Nope. There's no saying, Tommy. Don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. I just trust my old nose. Never doubt your instinct. It's the only thing telling you the truth. Noted. But apart from that old nose of yours... You got anything concrete to tell me? Well, as a matter of fact, I do. You been watching the news lately, on the telly? You hear about that missing girl? Yeah. I've seen it. Heard it, too. Fourteen-year-old girl goes missing. Media says it's tied to a cult. Her father was on appealing for help. Damn shame. You think it's got something to do with what's happening in the city? Maybe, I don't know. From what I've been hearing, the media ain't far off in your speculation this time. There is actually a cult in the public eye, something called the Cool Nun, and apparently this missing girl's a member. I have it on good authority that her father told the cops she was ranting about serving. He was told not to mention this to the media. I'm sure you can imagine why. Mm. The Cool Nun. That's not much to go on, Gabe. You got anything else? Not much else, I'm afraid, other than... The father mentioned the girl spoke of a gnat. Mean anything to you? A gnat? Like the bug? Hmm. Wait. Shit. Yes. The, the girl didn't say a gnat. She wasn't talking about a damn insect. She was talking about Anat, the goddess of war. Gabe, I gotta find this girl. I got a feeling that the cool nun cult is just another cell for the agents of chaos. Agents of chaos? If I'm right, then they're serving Anat, the war goddess and agent of Set. They'll be making a play for Conscious Golden Scepter any one of the other relics. But if a nod gets hold of it, well, that's it. Armageddon.
that moment, it occurred to me whether I should have contacted the other loonies, or even the high priests for any of this. But, with most of their hands tied finding Kanju's scepter, or maybe even the other relics out there, I swore an oath then and there to make this a mission of my own. I guess the best place to start would be with her father. Hmm. Who is he? His name is Bernie Culworth. Check the local news. His face is all over the internet. Right. Gabe, there's one last favor I need of you. See if you can track down his address. There's a shiny bottle of Centauri for you if you do. And what about the info that I just gave you? Here. That should cover our drinks. And a nice meal for tonight. Consider it a deal. Here's your teapot, Gabe. Now don't go guzzling down all this dishwater all at once. Keep it. I now got something a whole lot more worthwhile. Armed with a lead and a contact from my trusted street connection, and new hope for stopping the coming Armageddon, I strolled out of that dive. And it wasn't before my pace quickened, as the urgency to make contact with Bernie Colworth rushed to my head. Could he be the lead I need to find Kaju Scepter? Or perhaps the cool nun were on course to finding one of the other relics? These Egyptian artifacts have proven hard to find, but the man on the street takes what he can get. comic books? Do you like superhero TV and movies? Well, come on over and check out the Capes and Lunatics podcast. We have such shows as Capes and Lunatics and Super Connectivity where we cover everything new and current and popular in the world of superheroes. And we also have episode-by-episode reviews of the Marvel Netflix shows and a monthly discussion of everything current on the DC Comics character Nightwing. And a few other surprises all the time. So come join us for the Capes and Lunatics podcast. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. And you are here for the Lunar Pick Review. And we have a special reviewer on for this episode um, for our classic run review. It is none other than Looney Tunes. Tate. Noel, welcome. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> uh, always good to have you on the show. It's, uh, it's always a lot of fun. This is, is this the first time you're on to actually review? A, a comic? This, I think it is. Yeah. That's, yeah. This, this is going to be cool. It'd be nice to get that's your thoughts. That's exciting. Yeah. We're breaking new barriers here. But yeah, you know, we are constantly paving the way. Um, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> uh, but this would be good to actually get your, your kind of live thoughts on uh, a one, one Moon Knight issue. And Loonies, as mentioned previously, 
at the uh, the outset of the show, we are looking at Moon Knight, Volume 1, Issue 10. It's another classic Mensch-Sinkevich um, issue. It is titled Too Many Midnights, um, published August 1981. Writer Doug Mensch, penciler and inker Bill Sinkevich, colorist Bob Sharon, letterer Joe Rosen, and editor Denny O'Neill. Now, for loonies that haven't um, listened to us before, or first-time listeners, what we'll do is that we'll go through... Um, a bare bones, a synopsis of the the issue, uh, and that will be followed by just a discussion between Noel and myself, generally on some main aspects, and we're looking at writing, art, themes, characterizations, and references, and we'll cap it off with a rating. Um, and so, yeah. Anyway, Noel, are you are you ready for this? I am ready for this. Excellent. I've got a. I have to excuse um, my voice a little bit. I'm just getting over a cold, so. Ah, no if worries. I sound, <clears throat> if I sound a little uh, lethargic, it's because of that. Ah, no worries. No worries. Um, let's hope this this issue peps you up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, Noel, have you got access to the synopsis in the prompt sheet? I was wondering if you can split it up. It's quite a long synopsis. It's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Mm. Do you want to do one half? I'll do the next half. That's um, in three paragraphs, but there's only two of us. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe the second half starts on the on a riverbank. It's slightly bit bigger, but you you up for the first bit? Uh, sure, I am. All right. All right. Uh, you went through all the credits already, and it should be mentioned too that uh, the um, the uh, editor-in-chief at the time was uh, one Jim Shooter, Ooh, infamous Jim Shooter, infamous so, Jim which Shooter. Ex- explains a lot of things when uh, reading these, uh, this era of Marvel Comics, because a lot of the, uh, a lot of the issues exposition and going over pretty much everything that happened in the last issue, and that was one of Jim Shooter's main... Uh, Purposes that every you know, I think I think it's credited sometimes to Stan Lee, but it's actually I think Jim Shooter who said you know every issue could be somebody's first, and so oh, right. the redundancies redundancy start to happen in a lot of you know. Okay. Mench, make sure you let everybody know exactly what happened from issue one to now. Oh, okay, so wow. it's pretty funny. Okay, we we certainly uh, say that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, bare bones of this Bushman Moon Knight's nemesis has trapped him in a chamber rapidly filling with storm water. The Midnight Man who lured Moon Knight into this trap and Samuel's uh, Grant's butler also faced drowning. Even worse, the Midnight Man has shattered the statue of Kanshu that Moon Knight believes gave him his powers. See issue one. On the street, Marlene and Frenchie find Lockley's cab and open a manhole that leads into the trap. Back in the chamber, Samuels and Midnight Man plead with Moon Knight to find a way out. He shakes off his lethargy lethargy, uh, and uses one of his darts <laughs> to pry a brick uh, out of the wall. By this time, he loosens the brick and the water has risen over his head. The rush of water through the new opening uh, almost takes him with it. He barely makes it back to the surface. Midnight Man plunges into this inn to escape through the hole. Uh, Moon Knight cuts the rope holding Samuels as the wall around the inlet collapses. The current pulls Samuels into the sewers. Moon Knight retrieves the statue's head and follows 
His cloak catches up the brick and it is lost. They wind up in the river. On a riverbank, Moon Knight pulls off his mask and tells Samuels, I am nothing. Everything to, everything to everyone, but nothing to myself. He wanders away, clutching the head of Conchu. Samuels returns to Grant Mansion. Uh, Marlene calls Jenna Landers, who sets Crawley and her sons to, look, to work looking for Lockley. Frenchie uses the new helicopter to search the city. Even Samuels joins the hunt. After three days, though, no one can find him. In Moon Knight's absence, Bushman begins a crime wave. Finally, Jenna and Crawley find Moon Knight in Central Park where he grieves for his brother Randall, who, he believes, died nearby. They take him to Grant's mansion, where Marlene tries to pull him out of his despondency. I jeered the moon once too often, lady, bluffed my way through too many midnights, he says. Marlene shows him another statue of Conchu and says that the one midnight man broke was a copy. This is the original. You did it all to yourself, she tells him. Five days later, Crawley learns that Bushman and his lieutenants will hold a meeting at the house in Brooklyn that night. Marlene gives Moon Knight a new costume and Frenchie fires up the new chopper. They arrive as Bushman pulls up to the house and sees a group of police out front. Before Bushman can escape, Moon Knight swings down on his chopper's ladder. It can't be, says Bushman, you're dead. The answer, you can't kill me, nothing can. Bushman tells his driver to plough through the police. Moon Knight glides down onto the car and knocks out the driver, causing the car to crash. Bushman runs into the botanical gardens, and Moon Knight ducks um, a burst from Bushman's Sten gun and attacks. With his confidence restored, Moon Knight easily bests his opponent. Back at his mansion, Grant asks Marlene if the statue of Conchu she showed him is the copy rather than the one he saw shattered. She says, It's all in your mind anyway. If this one is the fake, then you've proven it by defeating Bushman without the spirit of Conchu. Yes, yes. Yeah, so that is uh, very much a, a second part to to a two-parter. But as you say, um, Noel, uh, very well kind of recapped throughout this issue as well. Overall, what do you think of, of this issue? Um, I'm, a, I'm a big sucker for the first volume of Moon Knight. I really love it. So there's, um, you know, some issues ebb and flow a bit, but uh, overall, it's it's really fantastic. I mean, you can see right off the bat... Um, you know that that uh, Sienkiewicz's art is is there. It's not him yet, but it's still better than most Marvel artists at the time, mm. or at least unique. I don't know if better. It's you know that's all relative, but it's 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 unique for Marvel comics. You know everything's slightly elongated, and yes. um, Marlene looks hot, and uh, <laughs> Crowley looks cool, even though. He- well, I'll, I'll he's a call... weird. So maybe you know he's got the flies buzzing around his head already. There's yeah. um, the the um, backgrounds which Sienkiewicz really likes to um, kind of pull. He does that great trick that I think a lot of artists um, still do to this day that a lot of people don't recognize is when there's you know high action, you pull out the background and it's just one color. Mm. Um, with the fights in particular. And I, you guys were mentioning in the last issue how he switches sort of panel composition depending on what's happening. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it goes from kind of a more scattered or, you know, maybe six or seven panels per page. And then when there's high action, it's straight up just like a six-panel grid or a four-panel grid. I think mm-hmm. this one is more of a four-panel grid. Um, 
Yeah. So it's cool. And the writing is very um, Doug Mensch, you know, it's uh, lots of the um, yellow, ex- ex- uh, you know, sort of a running dialogue uh, narrator sort of panels. Yeah, it's very um, – Doug Bench's writing is, to me, starting to become quite quite distinct from other writers. It's um, it's like a narrative, but it's – he adds a lot more into it. it there's not so – it's not so much just um, plain out describing. He kind of really makes it more um, more lyrical, uh, for want of a better yeah, word. Yeah, I, I think you've I'm said saying. that before. It's very mm. poetic. It's not – it's Starting not the um, you know journal of the night or anything. Yeah. It's really like an omniscient narrator. Yeah, uh, kind of waxing poetic about this silly comic book, you know. Yeah, exactly. And and so you're starting to get a sense of it. I mean, we're only on issue ten of of Mench's run, uh, and as you say, I think I believe with Mench, the same with Sinkevich, as you said, Noel. Um, they're not there yet with with what they will eventually become but you know they're starting you're starting to see it um i'm just trying to find there was a, a couple of really good um uh examples of of Mench's writing which kind of is quite distinct for him um uh anyway uh also you mentioned about the art as well i wanted to go back to that let's let's just go back to the art um definitely i think we don't see Sinkevich at, at, the, at his heights, you know, playing with textures, playing with media. Um, but you get a lot of... No, his just straight illustration is fantastic. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. yeah. It's not as unique as he would become, yeah, with those things. But there's there's some panels in here that are just so good. There's mm. one where, um, you know, right after Frenchie and Marlene find... Um, his cloak in the sewer. Yes. And she's ho- she's holding it up to her face and crying. Yeah. And she says, yes, Frenchie, his cloak. And it's just a beautiful panel. Well, actually, I think even a few pages before that, Noel, there's one of Marlene and Frenchie in the tunnel, and there's like the beam of the flashlight, and Marlene pointing her finger, and it's very kind of... Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. That's Yeah, she's yeah. pointing... It's, um... Her face and her, po- her posture is really... Um, kind of quite model-like. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it looks like it was referenced a little bit there. Like, the foreshortening on the arm and stuff really looks like... Yeah. I draw a lot from reference, and I just like, can tell right. <laughs> when someone else has. It's yeah. like, yep, that looks cool. And Frenchie is making a funny face in the background. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the art... And, and I think also as well, what really defines is similar to the previous issue, um, is that... Bill Sienkiewicz is inking this as well, which gives it a very particular look. Uh, it's still who inked the last issue? Yeah, Sienkiewicz as well. Um, so it has this kind of sketchy look. I was just reading the other um, for for a bit of research. Um, a few of the Hulk magazines, no, um, with early Sienkiewicz mm-hmm. stuff. A different inker, different colorist, and you know, light and day of of his art. You know, it, it was uh, a lot more pulpy, whereas this is really. Um, this is really kind of uh, a little. I'd like just a little rough at some stages. I mean, would you agree? It's not. Um, they're not clean lines, clean figures. Uh, the inking seems a little, a little bit rougher. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I've got uh, um, you know an original issue here, the floppy. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the things looked a little rough on this news cheap newsprint and um cheap four color process but 
I, th- I mean, that's sort of a staple of his of his inking. Mm-hmm. You know, he refines it to make it look a lot cooler later. Yeah. Um, but he's not the most precise inker. Um, I think yeah. he does a lot of... There's a lot of artists who do the drawing and the inking, and I think he actually does a lot of the drawing at this stage in the pencils. Yeah. Um, and then later, it's it's obvious that he can draw things with a, a, a giant magic marker now and still make it look cool. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, he's, ref, he's refining his process, but still the compositions for most of these things are pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when there's Samuels falls into the um, water after Moon Knight cuts him down. Yeah. There's just a cool panel. There's some, you know, uh, I forget what you call those lines, but, you know, like motion lines of Samuel falling. And he's going, oh, and Moon Knight's just above him. Oh, yes. Oh, that's it, a it really just looks nice really shot. cool. That's a really nice shot because the perspective of Moon Knight is, is quite different um, as, he, mm-hmm. as he kind of jumps down. Uh, sorry, Noel, can you just hold on for a sec? I've just got to turn on some air conditioning. One sec. Oh, I wish I had to do that. <laughs> Sorry, I just got a um, message from Eve. Uh, it's a bit stuffy, and I think Finn was stirring. He's just sleeping now, Aww. so um, just ho- well, hope he doesn't wake. <laughs> hope he doesn't wake. <laughs> um, no. It's pretty late, so he probably won't. Um, yeah. So we were talking about that Samuel's panel. Um, yeah. So a lot of, I think one of the one of the attractions for Sinkevich's art is, and we've mentioned this in the previous episode as well, and and in general, um, is his uh, fluidity of motion with Moon Knight. Is just his mastery over the the human um, human form of, of movement, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. yeah. So you do see a lot of that here. Um, he certainly does make Moon Knight look very graceful. He sure does. I think he's mentioned before. He said Moon Knight was sort of his graduate school for comics. Mm-hmm. You know that he that he really built up a lot of his skills doing it, and I'm you know he had to do these fast. This was a monthly book, yeah. Uh, and I'm sure he's not the fastest artist on earth. You know, there are, you're, they're right. There are some kind of uh, sketchy kind of inks here. There's that one, that same one you were talking about, where uh, Marlene is pointing mm-hmm. at the camera and she's got her flashlight. There's the panel that's just a kitty corner from it where you I, you can't really tell what is going on with midnight man's face or anything i know he's supposed to yeah. be messed up but Always it's just right. it's kind of sloppy and there's another one later in the book too an action shot with bushman where uh i couldn't make heads or tails of what was going on yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, his bushman bushman be... looks very i mean this is very early bushman um he still he still seems to be like a work in progress yeah, he is. I do like his spikes on the back of his. Um... I was just going to say that. Yeah, there's yeah. a shot of him getting out of the, out of the caddy, and he's got the spikes on the back. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. You know, he could never really. He'd, he'd need a. Um, he could never really sit down properly in a chair with a back. You know, he'd, he'd have to sit on the stool for a long. A yeah, or flip the chair around like he's a high school oh, yeah. gym coach or something. <laughs> um, yeah. So. I mean, the arts. Um, I'm just flicking through it now. Um, as you mentioned, yeah, the, the there is a lot of actually towards the end, towards the very end. Um, it's all four panels, right? Um, mm-hmm. One, 
Yeah, his, two, his fight with Bushman is all four panels. All four panels. Uh, I wonder what what do you think is the intent here? Because similar to the previous issue, um, Noel, um, we didn't actually speculate. Why the simple layout? What do you think he's achieving? Because, I mean, it's not... I don't think it's through just, um, you know, idleness. I, th- I think he's, he's intending well, to it, do it. It sort of brings the story together. Mm. Um, you know, it f- focuses your attention a bit more because everybody knows how to read a four-panel layout. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of... Which is kind of strange because it's... it's I mean, it starts before they find Mark... Um, all crazy out underneath that bridge or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it slowly sort of uh, comes together right when they find him. You know, there's the panel where I think that's the last panel. Where they, yep, right as soon as they find him with all the news <laughs> newspapers over yeah. him, yelling, yelling to himself. That's where the f- four panels start through the rest of the book until the very end. Mm. Um, so I mean, yeah, I think it's just to focus yeah. your attention. I don't think it's. I don't think it's laziness or anything. No, no, absolutely um, not. No, it, it's very much intentional, and I don't know if that is if that's a direction from from our, our boy Dougie or if that's a Billy thing. But mm. Mm. Um, it really does make it even with some of the wonkier panels, like I said, in the fight. Yeah, uh, it makes it easier to read and know exactly. It's kind of like Marcus got his shit together. That's interesting. Um, yeah, it, and so it's sort of like a. Uh, you know, a, a kind of a psychological way of, of reminding the reader that okay, he's got his shit together, and now it's time to wrap this up. Actually, that, that's a really good point. Um, and it would have been cool. I mean, not to say that you know we're telling Bill Sinkovich um, how to do their stuff and stuff, but like yeah, you linking that with the psychology of Mark. And can you imagine like you know how he's, he's literally because. You know, in this story, he's literally having his breakdown, and that, that's a, the main one of the main subjects of it. And it's about him pulling out of it, him losing his his belief in himself because he he relied so much on Conchu. Um, it would have been cool around that stage where the the layouts were all kind of discombobulated and random. And yeah, then when he gets, if this was Bill Sankovich, like yeah, five years later, that's yeah. probably more. What if he would have? You know, this is him experimenting. It would have been a lot more chaotic and. Mm. Mm. And, and, you know, sketchy and crazy and then snapped together when he would have got that. But there's kind of a little bit of that, yeah. you know, there's some panel borders that he does the wavy lines does, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, there are, so there's, a, there's a hint of that. I mean, you can just see him growing as a storyteller with his illustrations in this. Yes. I mean, because, again, as mentioned in the last episode for part one of this, if you look at, if even if you look at issues um, eight and before, like one to eight, his layouts are, are, you know, a lot more dynamic, you know, which, which is amazing to lead, lead me to believe why this Midnight and Bushman issue um, or two-parter, does he decide, okay, let's make it really kind of rigid and, um, you know, quite consistent. It, it's just an interesting mm-hmm. thing because I think in issue 11, if we go to issue 11, he, he again, he breaks away from this form. Um, so it's just interesting to... To see, you know, to understand why, what his intent was. Um, yeah. Uh, also, with the writing, sorry, Noel, just to jump to the writing you mentioned, and we're talking about Mench's thing, this is the one that I found, like... So an example of, of what we were saying, again, about his lyricism. 
Um, so as Mark goes, oh, this is about page 11, as Mark wanders off mumbling to himself, you know, I'm no good, I'm no good, he kind of passes by these two construction workers and um, mm-hmm. and men- mentions here, uh, sun rises, a red stain on filthy water, and the early morning activities of the city's dock workers are interrupted by a moment's diversion. Um, and that's when Mark walks by just mumbling to himself uh, and then the n- narration continues, and they grin and guffaw, for it's always heartening to see one whose lot is worse than their own. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, so there's a bit of insight. One of the first in- times guffaw was ever mentioned in a comic book, probably. <laughs> <laughs> very old school. Yeah, it's um, a good, yeah, very old word. It's a good descriptor. It's great. Mm. But, I mean, there's a bit of insight in that narration. It's not only just telling what's happening. There's, there's actually uh, mentions trying to delve into um, human behavior here as well. Yeah, so. and it, it paints the world a bit. I mean, mm. this is early Moon Knight was very self-contained within its own um, its own story. You know, there's there's very little hints of the rest of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, um, the fact yes. that, you know, Bushman goes on a crime spree and it's like vicious crime wave hits the city yes you know if this was really in the marvel universe that wouldn't even be an issue yes. like how many heroes do you have to go take down just a guy with a tattoo on his face you know, a- it's abso- not very hard absolutely that was one of uh, one of my points as well it's um it's also mentioned here uh um bushman's become the new king of manhattan crime i mean yeah I again that. <laughs> it's like where, kingpin a, would have something to say yeah, about that where's the king yeah exactly where's the magia where's you know where's the hood where's you know all the other gangsters um mm-hmm. so you're very much uh th- this pocket of the marvel universe seems to be on its own um so that was interesting that was an interesting take there from from mensch um with the writing, if we go back to the plot and all the um, so the main crux, I think of, of this issue, as mentioned, is is Mark's loss. Um, what did you <laughs> what did you think of, of, of this? Um, this is the first time that actually mentions is I think exploring now um, the identities kind of um, blossoming in in mark yeah that was one of the first things i noticed which is because mm. it always makes me think of interviews he talks about he's like oh i never thought the multiple personality things thing was much of a i never meant it mm. to be that way but he's just lying like it's so clearly yeah. <laughs> obvious that i mean the, you know the big thing of this is mark loses his shit yeah yeah and he's like i'm not lockley i'm not grant i'm not even conscious avatar i'm not mark specter i'm not anyone you know, um, and it's it's there plain as day that this guy is has multiple person. I mean, Marlene mentions it more than once in, just in this issue mm. that he's frac that he's fracturing. Yeah, I, I am. Um, you know, yeah, I, I tend to think as well um, that he's trying to feel his way through this um, mensch. He he's trying to he's he's molding the character of Moon Knight like in front of us through these issues. Um, because as you, yeah, as you said, and, and, and it has been put down on tape that it was never meant. These identities weren't meant to become like identities as as they are today. But as you said, we can see it here. Manch is, is saying, "Okay, I've got this as um, it's something that's very kind of I guess unique to Moon Knight," uh, and mm-hmm. he's just testing the waters of what what can be done to it. Um, another thing I'd like to draw on as well, Noel, uh, and I will jump to it. 
um, it actually references older older issues, um, is Mark's strength, Moon Knight's strength. Uh, he makes mention in this issue that he's lost it, and um, and I believe that's a reference to his um, you know superhuman strength, which has been kind of retconned a couple of times. Even yeah, before, it could yeah. also just be his strength of will. It could be, yeah, as well. Because um, it's never mentioned quite that it's like a physical thing. He just but, says, you know, sort of his strength. But yeah, yeah it, it has been read kind of a few times. Yeah, because when it started, right, he it was the. I mean, before we, Kanchu was even in the picture. It, you know, the strength. He says he gets his strength from the moon or whatever. Yeah, from uh, from the werewolf, and then they. Yeah, so, and from the werewolf, and then he's and then it's stripped back down to this, yes. and then he's mentioned again. Yeah, I think then, that's almost more ambiguous than his personalities are. Like to me, his personalities are quite clear, mm. um, but it's like w- w- as a superhero, what actually is this guy is a lot, yes. <laughs> a lot more ambiguous. Yeah, and again, I, I think... mean, the fact that he needs the big thing is, you know, he thinks he needs some sort of avatar of Kanchu to to be. A hero, and whether that's actually like a physical thing, but it, to me, it seems much more like a mental thing. Yes, and that's actually another another great point um, about you know, just going further on with the mental mental issue, because what we again also see in here is um, obviously his reliance on Conchu, and what we see at the end, Marlene kind of kind of tricks him. Like we don't even know if it if it really is a fake Conchu statue or she actually did swap it. Um, but she proved mm-hmm. to Mark that it was all in his head. And one of the big things that we know in Moon Knight is, um, and one of the things that a lot of loonies love, is, um, you know, we don't... There's a, the, the kind of conjecture as to whether he is actually crazy or there is actually a Conchu. I mean, currently, in present-day Moon Knight, we know that Conchu seems a bit more established, but um, I, I love that ambiguity as to you don't know whether it's just his mental illness making it all up or you don't know whether I, I, country's real. I agree. I, I like that more. It just makes mm. more for more inter- interesting reads. But mm. I guess you can't do that forever. No. So mm. I, underst- I understand. And Kanchu is such a, um, you know, maybe the, maybe the same way that if Dougie didn't, I like calling him Dougie, uh, <laughs> if he didn't, if he didn't mean for the aspects to be such a huge part he at least planted the seed and it was sort of the same yes. way with um i mean i guess it wouldn't be until almost the houston run mm-hmm. where they really brought Kanchu out as like a character um i mean there's there's definitely hints before that too but it's yeah. just, you plant a seed and then another writer will take it and run with it, which is cool. Yep. And that's comics and that's serial storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like we mm-hmm. said, there's only so many stories you can tell exactly um, the same way. And that is one of the cool things. And everybody has always mentioned it, um, mm. Mm. that there's so many versions of Moon Knight you can do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, so I, many meaning that the, the, it's a good thing, that you can switch it up and that he's yeah. more ambiguous. Just the fact that so many of the, uh, um, so many of the fans argue about what it should be or shouldn't oh, no. be, and no. I don't care. It's like it can be anything. That's it, one of the, the glorious things about Moon Knight. Absolutely, um, and how he was set up to be sort of ambiguous, and you can take it all these different ways. You know, mm. I mean, he's freaking fighting with Conan the Barbarian right now, <laughs> or whatever. Okay, <laughs> I mean, it's so funny because it always rocks the boat. Because I mean, it's just natural. I mean, you have a preconception or you have your favorite 
regardless of, mm-hmm. of the diversity of how Moon Knight has been portrayed. And like when you do say that currently, as you say, with him in, in Serpent War, it may not be your Moon Knight because you might have your favourite, like Houston or, or, or Mensch. Um, but there's always that kind of teething period where you kind of get to grips with, ah, okay, this is another Moon Knight take. Because admittedly, I, I have that as well, like um, with Conchu being just, you know, bang, just there and directing Mark um, and there being a, a, you know, potential lack of of his identities being explored. In the, If you look at the Cullen Bunn Moon Knight annual recently as well, uh, no kind of nods to his identities. Um, so writers take bits of pieces of Moon Knight that they find interesting and they run with it, um, but it's always interesting to see how Moon Knight is portrayed, uh, and that's what I love. I love how different he is in, in each um, volume. But I think this issue is quite important, Noel, because uh, Mensch whether he is aware of it or not he has raised all these things about moon knight now he he's kind of brought it all to the pl- you know all to play yeah um and uh, I mean, he's put the bones the yeah. anatomy of the character down pretty early he has, and yeah. there's so many fun things to take to, yeah. to, to go with i mean he's actually brought back the we haven't seen it in a while um but in issues 9 and 10 he's brought back the uh, egyptian mythology with Khonshu, the whole statue i mean that was missing um, uh, in the previous kind of issues, yeah. So, yeah. So, Mench is, you know, he's he's chucking all the ingredients in um, and seeing how he goes. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to I mention mean, even down so, to the fact that they redrew panels from issue one, pretty much. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that's right. And like uh, I said, that could be some Jim Shooter stuff right there too, though. Remind them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, they they need to be yeah, exactly. You don't want to be lost, and especially. Particularly, this is part two as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. Uh, so anyway, with the, some of the references there, uh, there are some references to older runs. So again, well, I, I took it as the, the strength, right? So I I cited Marvel Spotlight number twenty eight and Hulk magazine number thirteen, which references yep. that. That was when <laughs> someone decided, Doug Mensch decided, yeah, his strength comes from a werewolf bite. Um, we know mm-hmm. later that that changes. It, it will come from some high priests in Fist of Conchu, um, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it just disappears. Well, what do you think of this um, this power, Noel? I, I kind of like it, uh, he, about with the phases of the moon. I, I wish they kind of bring it back. Uh, yeah, I like it too. I mean, mm. it's a way to um, to nerf the character a little bit, which you need mm. to do. I mean, you know, you can, he's just a dude, so you don't really need to nerf him that much. Um <laughs> But it it it's a it's a built in mechanism to to put your character in peril. You know, it's one of the flaws of a of a hero like Superman. Mm. Um, you're left with kryptonite, I guess, or magic. And yeah. magic is much you know something later on. They're like, we've got to nerf this guy somehow. How do we do it? Yeah. Uh, magic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this is really early on is a cool way of showing that like, yeah, I mean, it's not in this as much, but um, no. it was a, it was a cool way of, yeah, of kind of having, um, to, like I said, to put a character in peril, like, Oh no, mm. you know, the, the moon is only, is only at a sliver. His strength yes. will be, he's going to get his ass kicked. And, um, or, or in some, that's instance, something I kind of, yeah. that's something I kind of wish they would bring back maybe. Mm. 
Oh, it's funny. It's like in some instances, it's like the moon's hiding behind some clouds. He's and all of a sudden, it's like it's it's a full moon. Yeah, but he somehow yeah, loses his moon, strength because <laughs> he doesn't have, he doesn't have direct sunlight or uh, yeah, moonlight yeah. on him. So he's yeah, um, it's yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Funny. That's something that they should have done with Superman. Yeah, yeah. If, it was a cl- if it was a cloudy day, maybe his uh, heat vi- vision is a little weak or something. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, he's just staring at someone. It's like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm heat visioning you. Are you? <laughs> what are you doing, you weirdo in spandex? Stop staring at me. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's not working. <laughs> his hands yeah. on his hips, pushing really hard like he's got a poop. That's right. Yeah, what are you doing? It's <laughs> not working. Uh, um. Another reference here I got as well with with Mark uh, in Central Park and mentioned in our, our Bare Bones, courtesy of Wiki, he mentions his brother Randall dying, and that is a reference to mm-hmm. the Hulk magazine 17, uh, Hatchet yeah. Man, where they had a bit of a, a bit of a kerfuffle between the two after, you know, his brother Randall accidentally kind of didn't mean to um, wedge an axe in the back of Marlene's back. But uh, that was a um, that was a reference to that in the Hulk magazine. Also, there's one other final reference, um, Noel. I just wanted to put out there the new Mooncopter. Again, a lot of mention about Frenchie. Have yeah, you got already? Yeah, was just two yeah. issues before this. I think the the old Mooncopter. Yeah, issue seven was issue... destroyed. Yeah, and then the cool, the cooler one comes out. Oh, thankfully, thankfully. I mean, that old mm-hmm. one needed to be trashed. Um, so a, a good, and, and we haven't got to the cool, cool one yet, which is, you know, my favorite, the, um, the crescent moon, but it's like a jet. That, that's the, yeah, I like that one a lot. Yeah. I think that's the best. It's like, it sort of looks like a, yeah, like a moon, um, Quinjet almost. Mm, yeah. Um, so yeah, so a, a fair few references here to not only the series itself, but to actually prior appearances of Moon Knight, um, for those that are keen. Um, with characterizations, Noel. Okay, so um, anything stand out for you with the characters used in this in this story? Um, Bushman uh, or um, Marlene? The one thing that was really cool, yeah, the Bushman is like a big one for me mm. because he um, he's saying that Kanchu didn't create him; he did. Yeah. Um, yes. At, at least by by killing him, mm. he you know, which I really liked. That I mean, it just set up Bushman as like his main baddie. Yeah, which is uh, quite cool, and he does uh, a, a couple really great um, Doug Minch sort of monologues. Uh, but at least it's split up between panels, and it's not just like a million words in one panel. Um, yeah, but that yeah, that's an aspect I really like of this book. Um, it's the character. All... It, he seems to me he seems true to form. Yeah. But but you know, but by saying that as well, it's almost as if he's asserting his dominance over Mark, saying like, you know, I'm the one responsible. Like, I created you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which uh, is a kind of really really cool setup. Um, I thought that's what the was classic int- thing, right? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. like you know, what's who created uh, the you know. Uh, they've messed with that with Fantastic Four a lot of times with Doom. You know who created who, right. sort of, and yeah, things yeah. like that. I mean, that's just one example. It's it's in every superhero comic book, sort of. Like, yeah. if, who who are you without your main villain? You're nobody. Yeah, I mean, but for me, this this stood out as well. I think it's the first time Bushman's actually claimed responsibility for for um, 
you know, for the for the inception of of, of Moon Knight, um, he fears him. I mean, you see that like, he he doesn't yeah. doesn't like him, but he. Um, we said it's funny because he's like, "I created you, mm. but you know, I can still." Whoop. It's a oh, it's yeah. a little like um, I you know the the old joke about parents say to their kids like I made you and I can take you out. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. I think that I think <laughs> Which that's is pretty it. funny. It's a very There's a pretty... great line from mm. Bushman. He's like, "You're wrong, Spectre. You're just a phony geek in a jerky costume." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Because <laughs> <laughs> because he knows he knows him. He knows the fella. He knows Mark. They they did a lot of work yeah. together as Merc. So he knows the guy. Yeah, it doesn't even call him. He doesn't even say he was kind of a shitty Merc. <laughs> yeah. Just he like... was like, "I made you better by killing you. You were a shitty Merc." Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so Bushman's and Moon Knight calls him a murdering freak. This the dialogue is great. It's so it's so eighties, early eighties. And you know, and then um, obviously Bushman he he runs rampant in the city, and you see bags of heroin, just labeled heroin, um, yeah. on the thing. So it just, looks like a kid just scrawled heroin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still do love that sort of half page panel though. It's like yeah. split up between you know vicious crime wave that hits the city, and there's guys like. Throwing down a a till, like a cash a cash register at till, yeah, yeah. And then there's the guy, there's the heroin, and then the guy's just shooting at a guy, <laughs> just for all, some all reason. The, yeah. All the images. It's a great are, way to like, yeah. It's just classic. It was very noir, actually. You know, mm. like cutting through, like old noir movie sort of, where you just cut from thing like a montage, yeah, like cutting a montage. from thing to thing, and, yeah. and he's able to do it all in one half page panel. It's mm. awesome. Yeah, but the dialogue over it is pretty great too. You know how Bushman's the new kingpin or whatever, which you'd mentioned before. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things of, of Bushman I found interesting um, over here, and I never actually made the comparison and the and the irony of it is that, um, uh, and it's recapped in that in that Jim Shooter esque kind of recap at, um, near the start. Uh, you know, we we all know the origin of, of Moon Knight. Um, he kind of goes against Bushman because Bushman's tactics are a little too um, overboard um, and Bushman's, you know, saying, oh, instill fear, this is how you get kind of stuff done. And, and that's kind of what rubs Mark the wrong way and that's what ended up... Uh, that's how Mark ended up in the desert. Now, the irony is that Mark now as Moon Knight, he is actually using that exact... Um, um, mode, what do you call it? Uh, a method that Bushman uses. Yeah. He, inst- he uses fear on his enemies. So I, I find mm-hmm. that quite, I, yeah, I find that quite ironic. And, and how the two are kind of linked together. I never kind of, I was listening to a podcast and they were mentioning how, um, you know, the whole thing about Moon Knight dressing in white because he wants to see people. He wants to see, he wants his people to see people him coming. to see him coming. Yeah. yeah. Um, I never put that together, yeah, because he, he's really kind of um, trying to create this fear and this idea that Conchu actually needs this fear to fuel himself. Uh, that's why he's got this avatar of vengeance as well. That's why he asked Moon Knight to to go out and, um, and you know, um, be his avatar of vengeance. But then, yeah, that is exactly what Bushman does and it's exactly what Mark was against, you know, before he became Moon Knight. I, I found that quite interesting. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's me too. It's very tropey. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll use the one reference per episode, though. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. It, it, I always say that uh, you know, Batman is Pop Moon Knight, um, yeah. because you know that's that's the Cape Crusaders' big thing too is to um, you know, 
the whole reason he dresses as a bat is to install fear into the criminals, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. because they're because they're a weak lot and they're easily scared and 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 um, suspicious and superstitious. superstitious. Mm -hmm. um, and with Moon Knight, it just it's so much more uh, dressing in all white and and yeah. bringing fear to people because he's like there, like a you know, like a bright yeah. uh, ghost in the night. Yeah, uh, it's you know, it's it's. It's very tropey for a lot of, and this goes back to things like the shadow, you know, and the yeah. phantom, and and those kind of um, pulp, thirties and forties, um, kind of proto superhero things, you know, and it's a natural evolution. It's just cooler, yeah, um, and it's it's a much more unique take on that trope, the the whole that whole aspect of of Moon Knight. Yeah, it just just riffing on that, as you say, on that trope, which is um, pretty mm -hmm. pretty cool. Um, it's a, yeah, a unique riff on it. It's really cool. Mm, yeah, but uh, yeah, just it, it, it is quite uh, you know it is I guess it is a trope and it's quite obvious looking, but I, I never did really pick that. But up. But he puts it so hard into the DNA because you could mm. even read when I read back through these old issues, like um, we. I don't know if we'll talk about it, but like the very last page, the last four panels, the kind of wrap up mm -hmm. is fine. And that's very kind of old school kind of superhero, you know, like he kisses a girl at the end and mm -hmm. all that stuff. But the page before that, where it's where he's in shadow, mm -hmm. Moon Knight is in shadow. And all you can see is, is the, um, is the crescent moon on his chest. And he says, mm -hmm. don't bet it on a Bushman. Not today, loser. <laughs> that's very like, if it would end right there, that's just like a, the Warren Ellis run. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. You could almost see Warren Ellis reading this, being like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Oh, I get that. Oh, that's where it ends. And that's then it might, you know, in the original copy, then there's an ad. And then yeah. you flip the page, like, oh, there's a wrap up. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. what if you just ended it at, at that spot? That's way cooler and ambiguous. It is. All right, let's just do that. So it's almost like he just tore the last page, like Ellis just tore the last page out of every Moon Knight <laughs> comic he and that, had and, and just wrote from there. And that's actually like, you know, dare I say, it sounds very simple, but that's the genius of, of, of Ellis's thing, you, you know? Mm -hmm. Intentionally yep. taking taking that last beat out, you know, that we're all used to, that little wrap-up, and just kind yep. of leaving it hanging. It, it, it's, quite, it's quite cool. It's kind of like, you know, not only if it's, if it's um, likened to a musical kind of metaphor, it's kind of ending on a dissonant or an unfinished, unresolved chord. It, it's pretty... Unresolved chord, or almost just not even doing the unresolved... Yeah no resolve whatsoever mm. you know it's just, like cutting it like on on the four instead of landing on the one or yeah. something and just leaving it and walking mm -hmm. away yeah it's pr pretty um pretty cool um weird. i do like the wrap-up page though because i really yeah. like the very last panel of marlene kissing mark yes and it looks almost like it almost looks like an art adams drawing it or does. somebody or oh or neil, neil like adams you mean mark's face he looks like yes it almost looks like a uh uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on his freaking name right now. Um, Spawn uh, guy. Oh, Todd McFarlane? Yeah, McFarlane. I can't yeah. believe I was blanking. It almost looks like a McFarlane or a... It does. Uh, a, uh, Jim Larson face. Yeah. Doesn't it? It, it does. It, um, like a good five, 10 years before those guys came to prominence. Yeah, I wanted to point that out. That, that last panel, that last face is very different like, from the, you know, the level of detail of the faces, say, throughout. It, it, mm -hmm. it has a, I don't know, there just seems to be a, a little bit more level of detail to it. Um, 
Yeah, and it's then, funny because and the panel right before it looks just like a Neil Adams drawing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Not just like, but it's obviously inspired by Neil Adams. And then the next panel over, it looks like it's ten years ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. it's really weird. And I love the ending bit as well. And Conchu seems to smile. A trick of the light, no doubt. So again, it's kind mm-hmm. of left. You don't know whether there really is an influence from a, a deity or not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, pretty cool. With with Mark, what did you think of this? Um, him uh, on top of that gargoyle. Um, is that Hamlet or Macbeth? I can't remember. One of the, he's, um, uh... Hamlet is the holding the skull. Yeah, right? that, that's the one. No, is that's it, Macbeth. I'm Macbeth, sorry. Is it? Yeah, it's the Because he's holding up Conchu's head. Um, alas, poor Conchu. That's like Yorick, right? Um, I knew you well. Uh, so uh, it shows a bit of his uh, imbalance here. He's um, he's balancing on the gargoyle like stories high up. Um, a nice perspective of him there. I could easily yeah. fall. Um, but a little a little over dramatic, you know, a little over the top. <laughs> No, it wouldn't be a 1981 comic book without that. Uh, I really liked it. I really like the... um, I like when Mark is just batshit crazy. (laughs) I I really do. It's fun to see. It's like I said, you know, uh, B-Man is Pop Moon Knight. Like, you wouldn't see uh, Mr. Wayne out on the top of a gargoyle doing anything other than brooding. (laughs) Yeah, you know, but when you see Mark Spector, he's out there holding a conchu head, like because yeah, he had balancing, freaking Macbeth, like losing his shit, balancing on it, just like, talking to himself. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Yeah, stuff, it's great. It? Yeah, uh, he's really kind of reached a new low. He, you know, as you said, he's under a pile of newspapers in a park. It's just you know, can, it can, yeah, can the first work. of many new lows that yeah. he'll have throughout. Yeah, um, but you can just see how it's easy for Houston to go. Okay, yes, look back you know, a couple of decades and be like, there's precedence here for this guy to just lose his crap. Oh, yeah. 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 And, um, I know Doug mentioned said that, um, Houston did contact him, want to have a good chat with him. Cause he's a big fan of, really? of the mentor. Yeah. Yeah. When Doug, when I mean, I that makes sense. Yeah. A chat with I him. mean, in a weird yeah. way, like this, even this story is sort of proto the bottom, mm. you know? Yeah. But like we said, this is maybe the first of many lows that, Mark Spector has as Moon Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is definitely the first that we see like a, of a massive low that he's had. It's just a real. He's kind of really gone off the rails here, um, which is, mm-hmm. you know, as a, as a as a follower and a fan, is very exciting to see. Um, the difference is he actually has his family to help him back out, and his family looking for him. Absolutely, which I like. That's something I like about the Houston run is they. It really is the he doesn't have anyone. Yes. He's chased everyone away. That's a big contrast. Um, and here, there's it? that great panel with like his mm-hmm. whole Gina, yep. uh, Samuel's Frenchie, Marlene, the maid whose name I can never remember. Uh, Neda. They're, yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're all there yep. helping him and talking to him, and it's really cool. Yeah. I also love the panel where she's the maid is hugging him. <laughs> Welcome yeah. back, sir. Yeah. <laughs> it's so warm, isn't it? It's just such a different side yeah. of, it, of it that you don't really see. And and I like it, yeah, as well. But I mean, it's so funny that Moon Knight is always seen as the lone wolf, but Mensch is real always, and this is not only in this issue, but you always see the support network that Moon Knight has, and it's it's always a group effort. You know, um, he needs to yeah. find... Which is uh, smart. I mean, it's a yeah. good way of planting seeds for future storytelling, though, too. It's like, mm. have him have a family, or yeah. people that love him and, and he loves, 
and then once you take him away, it's really great stories yeah. could come out of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's something I really hope that they don't ignore for the television show. Mm. I can oh. I could in my in my mind I see them trying to really go for the 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 lone you know the lone night moon night oh, yeah um, and I I hope they don't I hope they cast some really cool yeah people for Marlene and Frenchie in particular mm. um, yep. and Crowley actually is the oh, one I actually want to see the most <laughs> that would be a very whoever gets that role very juicy role that would be so fun to mm-hmm. play um, but yeah absolutely I think they're essential absolutely essential I mean. Uh, just from this classic bench run, they are they're, they're integral to to his adventures and everything. Um, and by default, in the Houston run, they are integral because of their lack the lack of them and and the yep. the way that they were. And in Max's so. run, the way he was able to bring Marlene back in, yeah, yeah there's a yeah. lot of you know, like mm-hmm. he read some Moon Knight, you know, <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah. this is something that I could really play with with Marlene, and you know, add, yeah. then adding a child to the mix. Oh yeah, that was very very unique. Um, take on mm-hmm. it um so yeah so i hope the tv show has yeah i'm hope they don't go down the route of, they can't really they, they'd have to have at least marlene and frenchie but i'd love to see all the rest of them i don't know it's it's really easy and they do it a lot some lazy storytelling just to have the lone mm. uh, you know the lone gunman thing uh, yeah 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 uh, but they don't always you know they always have to build them up they did that i'm thinking about um sort of the cwdc shows you know they had Arrow at first be this long guy, but then, you know, yeah. I've maybe only watched the first two seasons, but I know they built up a huge cast of family for him. The yeah, same right. way with, like, The Flash in that same universe. Yeah. Um, he's got an entire huge team of people yeah. um, that they play with. And they do it in a very soap opera way where they take him away and bring him back and take him yeah. away and bring him back. But it's, um, it's exactly to but say you that. need it. Yeah, exactly, because you need it to expand the stories and to, to tell different things. There's only so much you can do with, you know, like a, a main solo, just a solo show. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so very important. And, and, yeah, so this is great. I really love how they're all kind of looking for him, um, and they're, they're doing their best. Even Ricky and Ray, um, all very mm-hmm. sign of the times, uh, you know, white bread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what does he call him, Whitey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Weird thing. It's crazy. Um, and also, well, Marlene as well. Like, one of the things I, I thought here, um, obviously Marlene, favourite of ours as well, but uh, she's shown here again to be to be the saviour for Mark. I mean, she's the one that actually gets him out of his funk. Yeah. yeah That's so. a big theme at a lot of the it is, um, yeah. volume one and before. Stuff yeah. is, you know, she's there, and I think you had mentioned before, mm. or someone had mentioned on the show that she's I mean, not just his support as like sort of, uh, you know, the in this comic, it's it's a little bit of just like sort of the generic yeah. uh, woman support, but sometimes she'll go and kick ass on her own, yeah, yeah, um, which is, and I hope that is something they can push into if they're going to have her on television. Um, yeah, me too, absolutely. I would, I'd really love to see. That. Yeah, he can't have her. Um, kind of take a back seat i'm hoping that she's you know at least just on par with frenchie because frenchie's pretty badass as well you know um yeah. so and there are times in the comics where she is you yeah know? yeah i mean I, I like i said earlier i really like that panel of her of her holding his cloak and crying because it shows how much mm. you know she loves the guy um i don't know how but she it would be nice yeah. it would be nice to see you know her yeah, I, kicking some ass too. Yeah, which she does too. She does. Yeah, she's quite um, 
seems to be quite tra- and will mark trains her you know, again in the comics so she she gets some mm-hmm. you know some hand to hand combat yeah. training which is pretty cool um yeah there's a there's a little uh I don't know. There's a, there's some sort of you know dated dialogue from Mark to Marlene. Yes, there is. Uh, I know exactly issue, what you, you know, know exactly but, what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he, you know, she seems to kind of put him in his place a little bit too, which is good. At least yeah. maybe she isn't. She isn't like shut up, you idiot. But you know, at least she's like. I mean, it's her her tricking him that like is this statue even real or not is really kind of taking. Yeah. Taking, taking charge of being like, don't be such an idiot. Just get your shit together. If this is what you think you need, whatever. Yeah. Get over it. Go be Moon Knight. Well, yeah. It shows that she has a um, a greater perspective of, of things mm-hmm. um, than him, and she can. Yeah, she solves the problem for him, which is yeah, is really good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So hoping that hoping that um, she has a lot a lot to do in the show. Actually, I hope they cast her well. Um, I hope they bring her back in the books. Yes. Well, at least Max brought, at least Max Bemis brought it back, which is cool. But yeah, I would just like to see her re- a lot more recurring in whatever happens next. Mm, yeah, for yeah. for an ongoing, it'd be cool to see somebody put the family back together a little more. I know, I know. We haven't seen it for a while. It's um, it's quite. Yeah, it's been a long time. We've got dribs and drabs. Um, we had Frenchie come back as a zombie. <laughs> in, uh, yeah, in which is cool. I love to see Frenchie back, but we you need to see everyone. I want to see Jenna. I want to see Ricky and Ray. I want to see Crawley. Have, we haven't Crawley even seen Crawley. Crawley not since the Lemire <laughs> run, and and that was even kind of out of this world. I love Crawley in the Lemire. I love the fact that Crawley. In the, I do too. Yeah. yeah, I mean the family's kind of back together there. I guess mm. aren't they? Yeah, but yeah. at least for the first sort of uh, third of the run. Yeah. Until Moon Knight and Kanchu have to kind of take care of business on their own. But, yeah. Uh, but I love that. That was actually a really unique way to bring them back. Yes. And to show that psychologically Moon Knight needs those people. Mm. Mm. To the fact that even in his sort of messed up reality or whatever, they're there for him. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's really really good. And and how Crawley seems to know what's going on when everyone else doesn't. Yeah. I love how he's kind of Wasn't, like... I wasn't very stoked in the way Marlene was handled on in that. Um, just trying to remember. But how, the rest. Oh of, yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah. was just kind of like in a daze for yes, a lot of it. That's right. She was like sedated or something, or yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She comes out of it and, yeah. and and does some stuff, but yeah. Yeah, she could have done a lot more. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't know. Any any other final thoughts, Noel, for for this issue, issue ten? Before we get into our ratings. Um, yeah, other than that, no, I something had popped out at me and I've already forgotten what it is. <laughs> so, nope, I think we're good. I think, I think we're good. Well, actually, a, a final thing. I'm going to bring a little, I'm going to end on a, a slight downer and stuff. The uh, uh, the climax, the, the showdown of Bushman and Moon Knight in the Botanical Gardens, um, I thought wasn't the most um, thrilling to, to me um no it wasn't um i think after. if with some more i think the the idea was it you know it was supposed to be sort of brutal and it, it didn't really land no. so much i do like it's pretty quick as soon as moon knight gets his hands well his foot on him it's over <laughs> you know bushman right. gets one punch two punch moon knight just tackles him 
yeah. and then it's over. Then it's over. It's pretty um, pretty quick. Yeah, it's not the greatest uh, choreography of fights for comics, but no. uh, I see the intent and, and I, I appreciate that. There's also one thing too that I have when they're in the tunnel and um, Midnight Man is kind of forcing Moon Knight at gunpoint to save them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how he would be able to take one brick out of the wall oh, yeah. with, with a shuriken yep. that and, is... and then kick a hole and have the whole masonry come down. That didn't make a lot of no. sense to K- me. Kick a wall underwater. Yeah, that's a pretty powerful kick. Yeah, you know? with one brick missing. Listen, I've brick, kicked yeah. plenty of brick walls, and they don't go anywhere. <laughs> uh, he must have found that. He must be like Karnak. He's found the weak spot. Um, maybe, in, maybe. In the wall. Um, but yeah, yeah, and Midnight Man really, he he kind of fluffed out, didn't he? There's not much he really had. To, it was really he a Bushman, did, which I, yeah. you know, I, I might be in the minority here, but I really like Midnight Man as a character. I, I, I want to see him back. I want to see him done. I want to see him reach I his like potential. Moon Knight's rogue rogues gallery. Mm. I just do. A lot of people think it's pretty weak, but I think there's a lot of standouts that are really great. Yeah. Bushman, obviously. I think Midnight Man is cool. Um, Scarlet, obviously, is awesome. Mm-hmm. Black Spectre. There's a lot of good ones. Yeah, Morpheus. I love Morpheus. Uh, Morpheus. Me too. Cool. Yeah. That's uh, great. Yeah. So anyway, so... Um, All right. Should we get on to moon ratings then? Yeah. So, uh, Looney listeners, we have two systems here. Uh, we have our vanilla rating, which is our standard, stock standard. No, you can choose one or the other. Or we have Connishu's rating system, which he kindly has loaned to us for a, you know, unforeseeable time. Um, yeah, a very <laughs> unique rating system, Connor Shoe. Noel, mm-hmm. which, uh, how much would you give this one? Um, Too Many Midnights, issue 10 of the Mench Sinkovich run. I think I will go with Connor Shoe's rating oh, system because it's <laughs> just funnier. Um <laughs> It's a really great one. I wish someday we could cover a really crappy one because I would like to use the worst one. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Um, I would give this a solid round boy. A solid um, round boy. Somewhere, you know, uh, somewhere, I mean, you know, it's it's probably like a 6.9 to me, okay. something like that. Like almost a 7, but since we're rounding up with the round boy, I would just go for a solid. It's a solid issue. Yeah. Um, I give the whole run a big fuck off moon. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I think that somewhere in there, what would that be? Sort of a 7.5, a three quarter moon. Three quarter right? moon. Uh, a 7.5. Uh, or maybe a waxing gibbous, I guess. I don't know. Somewhere right in there. Like just below eight, but for Connor's system, we'll just round up. Oh, so you just below eight, not not below seven. So seven point nine, so, something like that. Wait, is that what I meant? Oh, no, I'm sorry, just below seven. Just below seven. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to be like your other host for your other show. I'm trying to be a little, and, I, and you've mentioned it too, a little yes. bit more critical. Yes, of course. Than I, I normally would be because I just love Moon Knights. I'd be like, it's a ten. Everything's a ten. Yeah, yeah. Shut oh. up. It's all a ten. <laughs> Don't say anything bad ever. Shut up. It's a ten. I would too. Ray showed up. It's a ten. <laughs> I um totally agree. Like I um and I think what you've said about the whole run because I think I think to to, to kind of experience it as a whole, um it, it's really it's a really a good you know obviously we we are Moon Knight fans but it 
as a whole, I think it's, it's a lot more satisfying. Than... It's really, it's really the pinnacle. Yeah, I mean, I love the Ellis run. That's kind of my favorite when I just think about it. You know, yeah. if I say to somebody, but if I really, or not, if I kind of don't think about it, I just say the Ellis run. But if I yeah. really, every time someone's like, "Where should I start with Moon Knight?" I just say. Volume one, yeah. it's all there. Yeah, yeah. Um, just but, excuse some of the eighties isms, but it's <laughs> it's all there. But yeah, you know, with the Ellis run though, um, for me, you know, you can pick one one issue here and there, and and that's a lot of fun, you know. Whereas um, I can't distinguish a you know particular issue with the Mensch run, but as a whole, I just love it. Um, it, it just seems to each of the issues seem to be like um, a, a brick, you know, that that makes a. I could I could pick an issue, hit it. Oh, hit it! Yeah, yeah, hit it! Hit it is good. I mean, they're all di- they're all good for for very different reasons, but they just make a really yeah. a greater whole. It's really um, mm-hmm. I, I love the uh, I love the Moon Kings one as well. I mean, I, I just, just yeah. the, the 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 craziness of that. Um, so there there are many good ones. Uh, Scarlet Fascinera, the the number fourteen, really cool. Yep. So a lot of really good ones, but yeah, I mean, as a whole, they just work really well all together. Um, so you're giving uh, you know. Um, a solid round boy, just a bit under that, rounding it up. Six point nine, though. I've, I've recorded that. That's going into the annals. I've I've Very given good. it. Uh, yeah, I've given it a um, ten. Uh, you gave it a ten, Ray. You gave it a ten. <laughs> I'm giving it above a getting small moon again. I, I'm going for a six point five again, being quite quite strict with um with the marking uh, 6.5 is very decent um, getting small s-m-o-l <laughs> I, I, I asked connoisseur i said what is that what is small he goes what are you talking about small like a small bean small moon small yeah, okay <laughs> right i won't question it doesn't it matter further. it's genius it's it is, it is. Um, so yeah, so there, there we go. Looney 6.9, 6.5, a very enjoyable issue. Highly recommend, um, you read part one, issue nine, and then issue 10. Um, but actually, and then said, check out the previous episode is where you covered it. Yes. And, uh, and, and just read the whole volume one again. I, I, I just read it. agree with Noel. It's, it's a ripper. Um, there's no, there's, there's a reason why many Loonies love it as their favorite run of Moon Knight. Um, so yeah, so no, thank you very much, Noel, for for this review. Uh, before we go, uh, there's a uh, like a plug I'd, I'd like to um, to shout out um, for you. It's on, I believe it's on tonight. <laughs> Fingers crossed, this episode comes out <laughs> at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. W- where is it, uh, and who you play with? It's at the. Eagles 34, which is a sort of a, uh, I don't even know what you call that place. It's not like a proper club, but it is a proper club. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, well, that's weird, um, sort of almost like a VFW type thing. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's cool. They have three rooms, and we are playing in one of those rooms uh, with a band called Careful Gaze. Mm-hmm. Uh, flower stocks and then coyote kid playing solo or acoustic i guess um so yeah that's tonight ish mm-hmm. <laughs> at the eagles which is in minneapolis in the yes. seward neighborhood okay. um and it should be a rocking good time Excellent. and i'm never gonna say that phrase again <laughs> <laughs> so lenny listeners if you don't know already Noel, we're referring to the band delita um they 
Oh yeah, I should mention that. My <laughs> but, band leader. Yeah, I know. Um, and and Noel, very generous, um, provides the music for the show. So if you're around the area, go check him out. Go up there. Go say hi to Noel afterwards. Um, go shout out. Go request list of demands. You know, for them to play, and uh, you'll probably recognise. Um, you know, the music for that. Um, but no, a big thank you, Noel. Um, and thank you. Yeah, have a good have a good gig as well tonight. And uh, we're going to go to a break, and uh, we'll wrap up the show after on the other side. Hey there, everyone. I'd like to tell you about the YouTube channel I Am Your Target Demographic. If you're a fan of comics, we have plenty that you'll enjoy over there, including a series called Heroes Like Us that explores comic characters of all sorts of different identities. And we even have a series that defines words that are used in nerd culture that you may not know what they mean. So you can check us out by heading to YouTube and searching I Am Your Target Demographic or look up IAYTD on any social media outlet. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast, and that was a review that I had with Noel Looney Tunes Tate looking at Moon Knight Volume 1 Issue 10 with Midnight Man and and more importantly with Bushman so um so yeah that was great to to reread that issue uh, I also want to flag and further to what we discuss in that chat um when you listen to this hopefully when it drops early enough Saturday night the 21st of December Noel and Delita those that awesome band and a bunch of musicians that have generously given their music to our podcast. They will be performing at Eagles 34 Club, um, MPLS in Minneapolis. Um, so if you are a local and if you do love Moon Knight, if you do love listening to Into the Night, you can catch um, the musicians who create the beautiful music on the show up live, and uh, you can say hello to Noel as well, the frontman. He's a um, he's a guy that just gave you that review. So, um, so yeah, so a big shout out to to Delita again, and uh, they'll be playing tonight. Fingers crossed, this episode comes out before Saturday evening, wherever you are, or well, more importantly, if you're in Minneapolis. Anyway. That will do us for this episode. Apologies, a little disjointed. I'm still waiting for the plumber. Um, Next phase, I've got a few ideas bubbling. It will be, I think it will be the last one of the year. We'll take a little break. I need to do a little bit of writing, a little bit more writing for our serial adventure and a bit more writing for our reviews on Paint Monk's library. So I need a bit of time for that, but just... You know, stay tuned on our newsletter. There may be another episode coming, which will be like reflections on on this year, like how ITK has gone in this year. I mean, I've, we've done a lot this year. I'm very proud and very happy with the productivity of our podcast this year. Uh, so, just want to reflect on that. I want to thank the relevant people um, who were involved in making it all possible. And uh, maybe looking ahead at what 2020 has for us. So that will be on next week. It's a, it's a new moon, I believe, so it's a spotlight. So the spotlight will be on 2019. Anyway, loonies, I am out of here. 
as usual, we are part of the collective, um, so please listen to all the other collective members. There's a link in the show notes there for all the collective members. Great podcasts there uh, from Inner Demons, Ghost Rider Podcast, to The Collected Edition by Paul Matthew Carr. Uh, there's a Man Thing podcast. Um, there's also The Signal of Doom, our good friends there. And uh, another one by some crazy larrikins called The Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. So there's a little little something for everyone. Go check it out. Details in the show notes. Also, speaking of show notes, you can contact us on itkmoonnight at gmail.com. Also on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Um, all the links are down there. Um, just contact we'd love to hear from you it's always great to discuss your thoughts and uh and uh, to give you a shout out on the show so yeah yeah anyway i hope you enjoyed this uh last bit of uh, housekeeping um, a few days from now as well i'll release episode seven the serial uh adventure for the hunt for conscious golden scepter i'll release that separately so you can listen to it um on its own rather than as being part of the show but uh, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the reviews. And as we always say, may Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.